and they have not known my ways. So I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. Verse 12, see to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage one another daily as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We have come to share we have come to share in Christ if indeed we hold our original conviction firmly to the end. As has just been said, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. Who were they who heard and rebelled? Were they not all those Moses led out of Egypt? And with whom was God angry for 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies perished in the wilderness? And to whom did God swear that they would never enter his rest, if not to those who disobeyed? So we see that they were not able to enter because of their unbelief. Okay, that was a lot. (laughs) We're going to focus on the second half of that tonight. And I want to talk about um, obedience related to belief. And um, the, the writer of Hebrews, he gives us kind of the other side of that. He links these two things, disobedience with unbelief. And he says that the people of God, um, because of their disobedience, could not enter into God's rest. And their disobedience was what? It was unbelief. So you can hear the tone. It's, uh, it's not a happy tone. How do I know that? Because none of you are smiling. <laughs> That's good. You, you, you get kind of what's going on here. It's kind of a sobering, sobering scene. The words here are sobering. Um, it, it's very, I think, a very interesting um, sort of thrust to this, which is you can hear the heart of the writer um, really um, aching for the people. And I, I feel like we, we just need to understand that the words that he writes here are words birthed out of love for them, and he wants to see them remain to the end. He wants to see them finish this race. He wants to see them get to the end and, and hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. And so everything he's writing them is encouragement. It's encouragement so that they will finish this race, so that they will finish strong. So as we hear these words, I hope that we hear them from that place. And so I want to kind of look at the other side of this this picture. So he equates disobedience, their disobedience, what was really central to why they didn't enter the promised land, to their unbelief. So I want to look at the other side, which is um, that faith requires belief. That, that might be obvious. You're like, wow. <laughs> no, I, okay. Um, but faith and our, our belief is never separate from obedience. Like, what is our faith in? We can say our faith is in God, but how is it displayed? Meaning, how is it activated? It's when God has said something, and we say yes to that thing. We say, God, I agree, and I step into the truth of that word. Um, So I want us to look at kind of um, the reference here that he gives the people. It's a very important reference from their history, 
Um, it wasn't a highlight moment, if you will. It was uh, the people wandering for 40 years in the wilderness because, ultimately because of their unbelief, because of their um, disobedience. Because um, when God brought them out of Egypt and 400 years of slavery, they ended up in the wilderness and their first thought was, the first thought was, we're thirsty. And then their second thought was, what are we doing here? <laughs> and uh, they, they immediately turn to God and they're like, God, what the heck are you doing? And then they turn to Moses and they ask him the same thing. What are we doing here? Um, part of that story is in, it's in Deuteronomy. Um, well, it's referenced in Deuteronomy. It's actually in Exodus 17. So if you want to look at that sometime, you can check out the actual story in Exodus 17. Um, but it's referenced here. It's referenced here. He quotes this passage in verse 7. He says, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. What is the rebellion? It's a reference to, um, to what happened in Exodus 17. They come out of out of slavery, into the wilderness. God is like, I'm taking you into the promised land. But then something happens, and they start grumbling. They start complaining. They actually go as far as to say, we were better off in slavery because we had all of our needs met. We didn't have to worry about where our food was going to come from. We didn't have to worry about where our water was going to come from, where all of our provision was going to come from. And here we are in the wilderness, and God, you've, you've, you've left us here to die. Kind of see the problem there? Um, Deuteronomy says this. Deuteronomy 8 says this about that whole thing. 8 verse 3, it says, So he humbled you, allowing you to hunger, and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know... That he might make you know that man shall not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. We get kind of perspective on this, this season. When God takes the people out of slavery, what he is desiring of them is obedience. What he is desiring of them is dependence. What he's desiring from them is faith that says, God... Um, I know it actually looks worse than it did when we were in slavery, but you said you're bringing us into the promised land, and so we're going to believe you at that. And in the meantime, here in this desert place, here in this season where um, provision is not readily at hand, we're going to trust your word that you have us taken care of. Unfortunately, that's not what they said. So, as we think about this, um, one of the first things that I think was the problem for the people is they quickly forgot what God had already done. They, they quickly lost sight that, that God had freed them with a mighty hand. He had not only freed them from slavery, He had sent them through the water on dry land. Yes, they were in the wilderness now, but how did they get there? Amazing way. They quickly forgot what God had done. 
they quickly forgot what God had said, and they had their circumstance staring them in the face where they didn't have water, they didn't have any of this stuff. You guys follow me? I think the same way when we think about obedience, I think sometimes we want God to do something amazing. We want God to do something big in our midst. And we can be so fixed on what God hasn't done that we lose sight of what he's already done. Has it ever happened to you? When that happens, we become ungrateful. We start complaining. Like, I've been there recently. Last month, we moved into our first home. It was a joyful occasion. There might have been dancing in my living room. That's not a surprise. Um, but you know what happened really quickly? Drains weren't working, and um, knobs were bothering me. The door didn't fit right. All this stuff. And I just started complaining because I lost sight of the big picture. God, you have brought me into this place. And who cares if the door won't shut all the way? We're here. And you're going you're gonna to take us through. You're going to bring us through this. Um, when, we think about, when we think about God and the work that he wants to do in our midst, when we think about this thing of obedience, we think about hearing from God. I think sometimes we want something new from Him. And, and, and sometimes we want it at the cost of what He's already done. Does that make sense? Are you guys following me? You could say no. It's all right. <laughs> um, when, when we think of obedience, I believe what God wants from us first and foremost is to recognize what He's already said. When we, when we think about hearing from God, sometimes we want something new. We want a new revelation. We want Him to speak in some mighty way. We want Him to move in some mighty way. When maybe what we need is to hear what He's already been saying. It's good to ask God for new things. It's good to expect new things from Him. He's alive and active. But if it's birthed out of dissatisfaction, something's wrong. And so the first question I have for us tonight is, what is God already saying in our lives that demands our yes? That is calling for our yes. See, maybe we don't need a new word as much as we think. Maybe we don't need God to do some new thing as much as we think. Maybe we actually need to hear what he's already been saying what he's already spoken in our lives, and start there and say, God, uh, just be honest. Like, have I said yes to what you've already spoken? See, there's a principle there, and it's a principle of, of stewardship. Jesus says, if you're faithful with little, I'll make you ruler over much. I believe that applies to so many things, but it, I, I believe it applies first and foremost with what God's already said to us. If we want to hear more from God, I think probably one of the quickest ways, that's not the right word for it, but if we want it to happen, I believe actually what God is looking for maybe in our lives is for us to be faithful and obedient to what he's already said. See, sometimes we don't want that. We want, we want something new, like that was yesterday, 
But have we been faithful with what God's already spoken, what He's already revealed, what He's put in front of us? So we have the picture of the people in the wilderness. And they didn't respond the way they should have. It was, it was a rough moment in the history of the nation of Israel. And we're told that most of those people did not enter God's rest. They didn't enter the promised land, this place that God said, I am taking you. And the reason is that they didn't believe that he was going to get them there. Tragic. And the writer of Hebrews is saying, don't let this same thing happen to you. Don't let the same thing happen to you. So we see a picture of a people in a wilderness um, whose sin mainly was unbelief. And because of that unbelief, they could not enter into the place where God wanted to take them. And the writer is saying, don't let that happen to you. And then we fast forward and we see another picture. And I love it because we get that story rewritten through the life of Jesus. Think about Jesus. He has this moment early on. It's the launching of his ministry. Before he steps into public ministry, first he has his baptism by John. And when he comes out of the water, we see the Trinity all together there. And the word spoken over Jesus is, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. And then we're told that the Spirit of God sends Jesus into the wilderness to be tested and tempted by the devil. You guys know that story? So Jesus goes into the wilderness for 40 days. The people of Israel in the wilderness for 40 years. You see some parallels here? It's not just because the Bible likes to use fours and forties and four hundreds. Um, there's actually a story being rewritten here. And so Jesus goes into the wilderness, and what is the first thing that he says in response to the temptation that comes before him? We see that um, the, the enemy comes to him and says, if you are the Son of God, turn these rocks into bread. Jesus was kind of hungry. Just like the people of Israel were hungry. You guys see the... You got it, right? You're smart. You're smart. Okay, good. Um, <laughs> what does Jesus say? He, he quotes this passage from Deuteronomy 8. The very words that, that were spoken over the nation of Israel in regards to how they should have responded to this, this time, this testing, this season where they needed to believe God. They needed faith. Jesus speaks those words. And he says, man shall not live on bread alone, but every word that comes out of the mouth of God. That statement sums up how Jesus lived his life. That statement sums up the posture that Jesus walked in every step of the way. It's, it's a posture and a picture of complete obedience to God. We hear another place um, where Jesus is waiting for the disciples to get back uh, with lunch. <laughs> and they come back and they're like, Jesus, eat something. And um, Jesus says something kind of peculiar to them. He says, uh, <laughs> he rebukes them over lunch. <laughs> and he says, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. <laughs> and uh, if you've ever been confused about something God said to you, 
frustrated because you don't quite understand, just know you're not the only one because Jesus says, I have food that you know nothing about. And the disciples are like, did he already buy lunch? Did we go into town for nothing? Like, what is the deal? What are you talking about, Jesus? We got you a sub sandwich here. So you said you were hungry. Where's the food? Because you got no pockets. And Jesus says, my food is to do the will of the Father. My food is to do the will of the Father. Jesus is saying, I'm feeding off of every word that comes from God. And we see a picture of obedience. Why is that important for us? Why is it important for us? That, that posture that Jesus walked in, it's significant for you and I. Because I believe when we look at the life of Jesus and we say he was, he was sinless, the only reason he was sinless is because he walked in every word that the Father spoke to him and he said yes to it. It's not because he was God. You guys got that? With that, with that, when you look at everything Jesus did, How did he do it? Like, how did he raise the dead? How did he heal the sick? How did he speak the things he spoke that had people amazed and in awe? See, a lot of times we think it's because he was Jesus. Well, he didn't walk a sinless life because he was God. And in the same way, he didn't walk out obedience. and He didn't do the things that he did because he was God. They happened because he walked in surrender. He walked in obedience. He said yes to God every step of the way. And the result of that was things were changed. Are you following me? What I want you to hear is obedience is significant to our faith walk. Obedience is significant to living a life of transformation, both for your life and everyone around you, the city that we're in. It will not change unless God's people rise up and say, yes, God, I will surrender to your will. It's not, it's not just about us praying big prayers of change. If we want to see this city change, the way it's going to change is when we say, God, I will do this simple act of saying yes to you. I will wake up tomorrow and say, God, I'm yours. Whatever you say today, I'm going to say yes to. That's how the city is going to be changed. It's the very way that Jesus modeled for us. All the transformation that we see that comes through the Son, it comes as a result of His unity with the Father and being one with Him and saying yes, His obedience. We see in that wilderness, Jesus is tempted, and every time, he doesn't give in. He's obedient to God and what God has said. And so every time he comes back with what God has already said, and he says, this is what God says. He fights the lie with the truth, and in that, he believes the truth, and he obeys. And we're told that when Jesus comes out of the wilderness, a very significant thing, it says he comes out of the wilderness in the power of of the Spirit. <laughs> Stuff starts changing. See that, that last part that he came out in the power of the Spirit? 
I think it's directly connected to walking in obedience. Like if you and I want to see things transformed through our lives, we actually want to see change. We don't want to walk in powerlessness, but we want to walk in the authority that God has given to us through the Son. The way it's going to come is through obedience. You guys following me? This simple yet profound thing of saying yes to God. Your yes is powerful. Your yes is powerful. All of us are going to say yes to something. What are you saying yes to? (laughs) Yeah, all right, yeah. All of us say yes to something. What are you going to say yes to? Your yes is powerful. Don't underestimate. Don't underestimate what happens when you put your will behind something and you say yes. You guys following me? Just say yes. Okay, good. <laughs> we'll just practice that right now. Just say yes. How's it feel? All right, good. Okay. <laughs> We're going to take this home, I promise. <laughs> so well, that just gets me pumped up to realize that actually this is a lot more simple than we think in the sense of like we don't have to have some grand master plan. We don't have to scheme for days. We don't have to draw it all out and try and figure out, okay, how are we going to reach poverty in the city? How are we going to reach, um, you know, alcoholism? How are we going to deal with the drugs and all this stuff? I believe it's not that those things aren't important, but where it needs to start is us being able to say, God, I give you my yes. And what would happen if we said that to him? What would happen if tomorrow we woke up and we said, God, I give you my yes today, and I give it to you not only for this moment, but for the foreseeable future? And, and uh, God, I, I open myself up to whatever that might look like. What would happen if we prayed that kind of prayer? Because actually that prayer is, is a dangerous prayer. It's a potent prayer because God can do something with that. See, I think sometimes we pray that God will do some huge thing, but we think we're, um, you know, going to be over here for it. Like, God, you just do your thing over here and we'll just watch it happen. It'll be great. But that's not how it works. That's not what God is looking for. He wants to use you. He wants to use me. He wants to use all of us to be a part of that. And it starts with a surrendered will. A will that says, yes, God. You guys following me? (laughs) That, I submit to you, that's how Jesus did what he did. No other way. And so God is bringing you back into the importance of simple obedience. How actually that's where our faith begins. That's where our faith begins. What would change if we lived that way? What would change if we offered up our yes? What would change in us? What would change in this city? What would change in the circle that we've been put in? I believe more than we can imagine. I want to think about um, some of the ways that I've seen this play out. Um, There's a woman named Misty Edwards. Anybody know her? Um, She has a pretty amazing testimony. You can look it up on YouTube. I'm not going to recap the whole thing for your sake. But she shares this story about how she was a young girl in Texas, and um, God just kind of 
um, gave her a knowledge of who he was at an early age. And she just had this yearning in her heart to do something, to be something bigger than this little town in Texas, like middle of the nowhere, Texas. And this frustration began to grow of like, I can't do anything here. There is nothing here for me. God, I I know you're calling me to something greater, but I don't even know how to access that. I don't even know how to begin. And and God just said, you know where you, I want you to begin. I want you to begin with saying yes. I want you to begin, begin with the simple thing of just waking up every day and being obedient to who I am and what I've revealed. He's like, that's it? He's like, yeah, that's it. And in and, and that process, she said, okay, okay, God, I will do it. And that has led her into a place where eventually she ended up in Kansas City and she ended up just for, for years in, in the prayer room there, like interceding on behalf of God's people, behind the scenes, just, just um, being faithful to what God had called her to. And the result of that has been for the last 20 years, she has said, God, I give you everything. And she, she, when she was 20 years old, she said, God, I give you the next 10 years. I give you the prime of my life. It's yours. And she made a vow, um, Old Testament kind of, uh, <laughs> kind of vow, like, God, this is yours, and I give you my word. And she said, I give you the next 10 years of my life. It's completely yours. I want your plans to be my plans. Ten years came up, and, and during that time, she, she devoted herself to prayer. She devoted herself to worship. Some of us like, man, that sounds like a wasted ten years. But she said, God, you gave me this life. I'm going to give it back to you. She, she devoted herself to singleness during that time. A lot of guys were really sad. To hear that Misty Edwards was off the market. <laughs> she got to 30. People were like, what she's going to do? You know, guys were probably emailing her like, hey, you know, about that date I mentioned to you 10 years ago about, uh, you ready? And, um, you know, to their disappointment, she said, we're going another 10 years. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> and uh, she said, it was worth it. We're going to do it again. She talks about how like, her music has impacted the world. She said, you know, at one point I thought the only way for that to happen was for me to put myself out there and, and try and make a name for myself. Um, but God called me to something way more simple, just obedience. And as she just began to write songs to the Lord and write music and, and share it in the prayer room... <laughs> He's taken it from there to something amazing. I think our yes is way more powerful than we know. Um, a few weeks ago, I was, um, it had been a busy week, and there was tons of stuff going on, and the weekend was coming up, and I wasn't really, um, I was behind on a lot of stuff. And I got a phone call on uh, Thursday, and um, it was from a guy who's a part of, church in Curtis Bay, and I didn't want to answer the phone call, you know, because it was kind of like I had a premonition that he was going to ask me to do something for him, you know, one of those phone calls where you're like really thankful for caller ID, and you're just thinking, um, yeah, I'm not going to answer this one, you know, and in that moment, I felt 
God checked me in my spirit. Where he was like, um, you know that feeling you're feeling right now where uh, your inclination is, you're already saying no, you don't even know what the question is? Um, he's like, yeah, that's not good. He said, I want you to be open to whatever um, you guys talk about. And I want you to answer this phone call. I just felt that in my spirit. It wasn't like God said, answer the phone. Okay, all right, so don't, we're not over-spiritualizing, but it's just in my spirit. Like, I knew I needed to answer this phone, and I needed to be responsive to whatever God spoke through him. So, I was like, I actually prayed while the phone was still ringing. I just said, God, make me willing. So then I answered the phone. Hey, how's it going? (laughs) No kidding. What? You, um, oh, you need me to preach this Sunday. Oh, let me check my schedule real quick. I didn't have a calendar. I wasn't really looking. I was just like, hmm. Oh, let me ask my wife. Sweetheart, do we have anything going on on Sunday morning? I was kind of hoping she'd say, yeah, we're busy. <laughs> She's like, no, not that I know of. I'm like, okay, great. Yeah, um, I'm free. I'm free. You know? Yeah, what do you need? Yeah, I'll do it. And actually, I told him, I said, to be honest with you, I kind of knew you were going to ask me this. And I didn't want to say yes. <laughs> it's kind of been a busy few days. And I, I just kept thinking, this weekend's going to be even busier, and I haven't even prepared for Sunday, and blah, blah, blah. But I had promised God, okay, I'm going to be willing. So I said yes, and I went there that Sunday, and I still didn't have things prepared for the evening. So if it was a bad week, if you can remember, that's why. Um, no, but I went, and you know what? Like, it was amazing. Like, I left that place blessed. I left that place, like, full. And, and it, it, it happened because I said yes. And, and God reminded me, like, we cannot live in a place where our time, our resources, everything we have that's of worth, we, we just kind of hold on to it. We can't live in a place where we say, God, Yes to these things, no to these things. They're off limits. And so I want to ask you, um, what in your life maybe is God calling you to, asking for your obedience? Maybe that's going to be an inconvenience. Maybe there's things already that you haven't really gotten around to because you've kind of been wanting to avoid them because they require something of you. Because you just don't want to do it. Will you say yes? Will you say yes to that? See, God, he calls us. Jesus says, I want your obedience, but I want it birthed out of love. I want you to say yes because you love me. And it's from that place that you're, you're willing to give it back to me. And love doesn't seek its own. So, more often than not, our obedience will cost something. It will require something of ourselves. Because love, obedience birthed out of love, will inherently not seek its own. It will give. I want to wrap it up. Um, let's just, let's just um, close our eyes. And I want to I want to just uh, give space for God to speak into this. And uh, 
you can start by saying yes right now by just saying, God, um, I invite you to speak into my life. I know he's already saying some things, um, but I want to give space to listen and for us to ask in our hearts before we rush out of here, before we go on to other things, ask, God, what are you calling me to? What in my life are you asking for obedience in? And just be honest with God right now as you ask Him, what is it that you've been maybe afraid to say yes to because it's going to cost you something? And with that, maybe ask, ask for Him to reveal to you what He's already spoken where he's already spoken and maybe he's been waiting for a response. Something that you've maybe known you need to do and you just haven't got around to it. Maybe it's something with friends, family. Maybe it's something you need to let go of, you need to cut ties with. Where you've kind of been putting it off, kind of making it something rationalizing it as really not that big of a deal, when at the heart of it is it's an obedience issue, and it does matter. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would, would speak into our hearts right now. I thank you that you reveal all truth. I thank you that when you speak, you don't condemn. Your grace is poured out so that we're empowered to live the life that you want us to. So God, I pray that the words that you're speaking right now, that we would see them as words leading to life. And that repentance today would be turning away and turning to the word that you've spoken and agreeing with it, saying yes to it. Saying, here I am, God. Jesus, I thank you that this call in our lives to, to walk faithfully, to steward the precious moments, the precious things, the precious stuff that, that you've given us that is of worth. That none of it is separate from what we've seen in you. I thank you that it's your Spirit in us that even allows us to say yes. And Jesus, I thank you that you're the picture of faithfulness that we can look towards and see that it is possible. 
Jesus, I thank you that it, it was your yes that even allowed us to enter in. That it was your yes every step of the way that has brought us into the family of God. That has turned us from a place of rebelling against you, being at war with you. And now we have the privilege and we have actually been able to step into unity. To step into oneness. To step into a, a place where we would actually even want to say yes. Jesus, you bought that for us. It was your faithfulness. It was your love. And tonight as we come to the table, we, we receive it again. We receive it afresh, God. We celebrate your faithfulness. We celebrate your obedience that has brought us in to the family of God.